Welcome to Two SoCal Gals. Tis the season to be jolly. And Josie, what are you doing to celebrate the holiday? The only thing there is to do. I have donned my gay apparel. Oh. Yes, so, uh, yes, this is Two SoCal Gals holiday special. uh, And today we will be discussing everything soccer, just like always. We're going to start this week with Chivas, who have received the gift of a new head coach. What do you think of the Sanchez Sola hire? Uh, well, it's in, it's an interesting hire, and I think it's going to be interesting in a lot of different ways. Um, I mean, certainly we can approach the question from, you know, sort of the, the team-specific angle, from the all that kind of thing. But basically, I think it boils down to a high-risk, high-reward type, um, type of move, because uh, the track record of coaches coming from abroad directly into MLS is obviously very poor. Um, and you know, a lot of folks have, have really hammered on that point. And, you know, I think that's totally understandable. Um, it is very difficult to enter this league and because of some of the, uh, really Byzantine roster rules, it's, it's hard to, to just kind of jump into the, the fray right away and, and really have a good sense of, of how to construct a team. That said, I mean, not to sort of sound like I'm, super confident about this, but I think that there's something to be said for, you know, even though there's been failures in the past, that doesn't necessarily mean that no foreign coach will ever succeed in the league. I mean, at some point there's going to be somebody who, who can get over it and and can figure out a way to, to make it work. Um, I think what's cool about, uh, Chelis, that's his uh, nickname that he's widely known by is, uh, he's a really charismatic guy. I think he's going to be the kind of guy that, that makes a lot of really crazy sound bites. So move over Bruce Arena because there's going to be somebody else with some uh, pretty crazy uh, quotes from, from time to time. And like I said, I mean, I think, you know, his track record shows that he, the kind of level of team that he's coached in Mexico um Sounds pretty similar to the kind of task he's going to be asked to do at Chivas USA in a general sense. Um, whether he can put that together, of course, we'll have to wait and see. But like I said, I think it's going to be interesting for, for fans of the team and for people who just follow MLS regardless. Well, the knock against foreign coaches is always that MLS has these weird rules and you can't just go out and buy players the way you can in a lot of other leagues. And so the foreign coaches kind of have to come in and build the team uh, with new constraints that they might not have been used to uh, elsewhere. But I want to kind of use that to segue into the re-entry draft. Uh, Chivas lose Danny Califf and don't pick up anybody. Uh, Are you good with that? Uh, How do you think the re-entry draft went for Chivas? Uh, I mean, obviously, I think Caleb was uh, probably the best asset available of, of the Chivas players who were in the draft, and so in that way, I'm not surprised that he left. Of course, I would have liked to, to have him stay. I think he, you know, he was a pretty good player for for Chivas for much of of the time he was here, and of course, he wasn't wasn't with the team for too long. But you know, I, I thought he was a a good guy for the team, and I thought he played pretty well on the field. Um, 
But as far as not taking players in the in the draft, I'm not surprised about that, frankly. And and this is where I think we'll have to sort of see where the direction of the team is going, you know, over the next couple months. Because I'm not necessarily concerned about, you know, taking. I mean, the Galaxy were the only team, well, one of only a few teams that really took anybody in the reentry draft. Really, I mean, for the most part, it was um, a handful of teams that participated, and there were plenty of teams who didn't participate in it. Um, there's been a lot of talk about Chivas going after players from Mexico, which is not surprising. I think what's going to be important is to see what the quality of those players are. If they're nobodies who really haven't accomplished anything and have really no potential, yeah, Chivas is in big trouble. If they're players who maybe are cut above the ones that came in 2005, uh, who, ha- you know, who are hungry, who are looking for a new challenge, who have something to prove, even if they're not necessarily household names... Then I think that you know we have to wait and see how it how it pans out. But as far as you know, clearing the decks and especially clearing, not, Caleb wasn't one of them, but clearing international players, uh, you know, that's that's not a you know that's something that they've pretty much telegraphed this whole time. All right, so let's talk about uh, the galaxy, and and we just obviously mentioned the reentry draft. So um, you know, we can only assume that down the hallway of the Home Depot Center, there's been Bows of Holly decked all around. They're probably feeling pretty cheerful right now. Um, the Galaxy have traded away Edson Buttle just after the re-entry draft. Uh, Josie, do you think he will be missed? It's a hard question to answer because you have to simultaneously answer with uh, recent, uh, you know, the bias of things that have just happened versus his entire career with the Galaxy. He's clearly a capable forward. You know, he's had multiple uh, double-digit goal seasons, and it's entirely possible that he can do that again for Colorado. But he just has these maddening seasons where he's injured and isn't getting minutes and isn't scoring goals and not doing anyone really a, a, a lick of good. And he just, he's been around in the league too long. He makes too much money to excuse that sort of play. Uh, so I don't think he'll be missed. I think he frees up a whole lot of cap room. Uh, Bruce Arena says in a perfect world he'd still be a member of the Galaxy, but that's not my perfect world. That's like the perfect world of some weird religion that I don't want to uh, live in because he was just really bad this year. And the Galaxy have won championships without him uh, and did not win them with him as the main target forward. So uh, he can, you know, best of luck to him, but I don't think he'll be missed. Um, and you, know, you mentioned the reentry draft earlier. Uh, it was Chivas, obviously, who uh, traded their spot in the reentry draft for the Galaxy to move up uh, and get Colin Clark from the Houston Dynamo. Uh, but there was also, I mean, Chivas got an international slot uh, in the deal. So it'll be interesting, you know, to kind of see how that gets used uh, by Chivas uh, and how Colin Clark works out for the Galaxy. I think he's sort of being looked at by Arena as a replacement for Christian Williamson, who was another sort of disappointment for his pay level. 
Um, would have liked a lot to see a lot better out of him, but it just didn't happen. So we'll see if Colin Clark can fill that uh, winger role and help the Galaxy stretch out defenses next season. Yeah, I wanted to ask you too about um, the homegrown signing that the Galaxy made today for the forward Zardis. Um, I mean, you know, initial kind of speculation is that he got paid quite a bit, that, you know, he's he's the type of talent that, um, you know, could really go to Europe in a short time potentially. I mean, do you expect him to see playing time? Do you expect him to slot into the lineup right away? I mean, what what is sort of your take on, on his addition to the team? Especially with uh, Champions League starting up again uh, at the same time that MLS is starting up, I expect him to be in one of those first four matches that the Galaxy will have in the first two weeks of the season. Um, you know, I think he'll fit right in. He's being talked about as, you know, would have been top one, two in the MLS draft, and the Galaxy sort of get to circumvent that whole process, uh, which is great. And you know, he's making senior roster money, and if you're going to make that kind of money, then you, you go out and you, you perform right away. That's what's expected of you. Um, he's The videos that I've seen of him, he's uh, a great talent. And uh, in talking to him uh, today, he seems like really excited to, to be a part of the team. It's, it's interesting that we're starting to see people entering MLS who watched MLS growing up, which yeah. is a weird thing. Um, but he's you know, talking about oh, playing with Lennon Donovan. Like, that's a dream come true. I'm like, wow, yeah, this kid uh, for the last you know, half of his life has been able to see Lennon Donovan uh, play in America. And that's sort of a new thing for us. Yeah, for sure. And and also the fact that there's more players who are coming in, you know, directly through academies or through homegrown signings. It's going to be interesting to see how the, you know, how they pick up more playing time as, as uh, you know, the, over the next couple of seasons and, and how the system evolves, basically. Yeah, I think teams more and more are going to be uh, trying to get... Because you know, Zardes wasn't necessarily in the academy. He was just associated enough. He was up at uh, Cal State Bakersfield. So this is definitely teams are going to want to get their paws on these young, talented players so that they don't have to go through the draft. And you can start you know, building without that randomness built into it, which I mean, that's a whole other discussion about uh, whether and how should MLS just stick with the college draft like the other leagues do because of what the other leagues do or if it's even still relevant. Um, but we're gonna press on and because it's holiday weekend we're just gonna do it's gonna be a brief show um, and so we're gonna jump right into the games uh, and we're gonna do some odds makers. Uh, so Danny Califf as we already mentioned was the first player selected in the re-entry draft uh, obviously, Toronto uh, were not good at soccer uh, last season. What are the odds that Danny Califf makes a positive impact with Toronto FC? Um, I'm going to say 60%. Um, I mean, positive impact is pretty flexible, but, uh, you know, he, he, ha- he was on a playoff team in uh, 2011. Obviously, he was not on the playoff team in 2012. Um 
And, you know, I don't know, there's a part of me that it's like the TFC are like the sirens of MLS to some extent, because as I see them making some of these moves, even, you know, in, in December, I'm already saying, hey, you know, they're going to they're going to be pretty decent next season, you know, and I mean, I feel like I've said that every season and, and it always comes crashing down. But but I think that he will will bring a lot to the team. I think they're going to have a a pretty young team and, you know, having him to, to sort of help keep order over the, you know, the, the, the play on the field uh, is going to be good for them. And, and, you know, I think he's a, he's a classy guy and I certainly hope that, that he can help turn them around in some, some capacity. So I'm going to go for, I'm going to be optimistic and I'm going to go for 60%. What about you? Um, I'm going to go much lower at 30%. Uh, I, I too am impressed with the moves that Toronto is making. Uh, they won the lottery uh, that was held today for Gail Agbasamund. Sure, let's go with that. Um, you know, n- nice, promising center back. So they're definitely making moves like they want to improve. But Toronto also was one of the you know higher spenders over the last year or two, and the results just didn't materialize so for me it's specific to it being toronto you know i totally think caliph uh still has the ability to make an impact uh just toronto is just something else has to change with toronto besides just putting more talent and money uh into it and it's also i mean it's funny this is probably old news at this point but that uh, Toronto's one, the one team that Caliph said, don't trade me to last year, and then he ends up uh, on Toronto. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, he he apparently agreed to it this time, so I, I guess he figured, eh, why not? I might as well, might as well give it a whirl, see what happens, who knows, yeah. whatever. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I certainly understand your skepticism, and I'll probably rue my optimism before long, but, but we'll see what happens. All right, last one. We're going to go to Europe for this one. Uh, what are the odds an English team makes it to the next round of the UEFA Champions League? Yeah, I'm going to be pessimistic on on both of these. I'm going to I'm going to stick with thirty percent again uh, on on the chances. I just don't think. I mean, it's kind of a weird. Uh, thing to say because for you had Chelsea make that run last season uh, and you know English teams have obviously been done very well uh, in Europe the last decade Uh, but just looking at the matchups like I don't think United can beat Real Madrid uh, and I do not I really don't think Arsenal can beat uh, Bayern Munich so I even think 30 was probably too high. I'm going to go with 10%. Let's just, no, it's not happening. Yeah, you know, I, I was kind of along the same lines. Like I was thinking, you know, they just have such a good track record. You know, in past years, there would be two or three English teams in the in the final four. But you're right. And, I mean, the, the opponents are, are among the toughest ones that they're going to be facing, um, in, you know, in, in the last 16 and then, I mean, let's face it, English soccer is on a little bit of a dip right now, right? I mean, one of the, the positive things is it seems like there's a few more teams kind of joining the, the fray at the top in the league, you know, make, I think to me, making it as a neutral, making it more exciting. But 
the downside is that you don't have the dominance and, and even the top teams are, are struggling this season. And so although Manchester United seems to be in, in solid position, I mean, there's not a ton that you say is really in, in, inspiring as far as the Champions League is concerned. And Arsenal is in, much, is in worse shape. So I'll say, I mean, it's, there's certainly a chance, but I'm going to say around you and say 15%. I, I think it's, this might be the year where there won't even be an English team in the final eight. And the, the interesting flip side of that, it's like, I feel like, especially just because Fox Soccer is kind of the big portal to the European soccer world, like we get our soccer data filtered through English soccer. Yeah. But it's actually still a very interesting Champions League slate. Like Celtic and Juventus, awesome. I totally want to watch that. Uh, I'm interested to see how Schalke does. Um, you know, we got a lot of German sides, we got a lot of Spanish sides, and those are the two countries that are doing, have done extremely well in all the international competitions over the last couple of uh, years. So I'm excited to see the the club teams mixing it up. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's not a single one matchup that you really say, "Yeah, you know, that's okay." I mean, obviously, that's that's the point of this of this tournament is to be excited about every match, but I mean, literally every match is exciting and, and, and that's great to see. Yeah. Unfortunately, you can't say exactly the same thing about CONCACAF Champions League, uh, but that'll probably be a topic for next year. Uh, we're going to, you know, say goodbye to you all for 2012. Uh, it's the holidays. We have families and friends and all sorts of busyness to be concerning ourselves with. But uh, thank you, everyone, who has been supporting us as we try to get this little podcast off the ground. And uh, we'll see you next year. If the world doesn't end. If the world doesn't end. If the world does end. um, It's been real. It's been real. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Happy holidays.